All right, well, good evening. How are you guys doing? Good. Everybody can hear me and see me okay, right? Awesome. Well, hey, my name is Mike, uh, and I'm very excited to be here tonight. Um, I, I am the, uh, the lead pastor of Genesis, and tonight is a special night because tonight God is ushering in a new era at Genesis Young Adults um, over the last month. We've actually uh, transitioned um, into, I've transitioned into becoming the, the lead pastor of this ministry, and so tonight is night one. Um, and so we are, uh, we are really excited. We are really excited about where God's going to take us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed a new uh, setup. I hope you enjoyed that time of worship. Uh, it was incredible. Um, and so this is going to be the new normal. Uh, this is going to be where we, this is where we believe God is taking us. And so in an atmosphere like this, it gives us an opportunity to really express ourselves in worship, and we don't need all the lights and the loud noises to make that happen, right? And so that's why we wanted to do this. We wanted to give you a chance to be able to express yourself and not be totally overwhelmed by everything else going on. And so we're excited. I can't begin to tell you really, I mean, how excited I am to have this night finally come. Uh, I'm, I'm excited because of the fact that, that I believe God has put on my heart a, a burden for this generation. I believe he's put a burden on our team's heart for this generation. Uh, this is a, a generation that is uh, attending church at a historically low rate and uh, a, a generation that is abandoning their faith at a historically high rate. Um, and so also we are now at an age, uh, the 18 to 29 uh, age span, the, that, that decade of life where we are making some of the most pivotal decisions of our life, uh, decisions like who are we going to marry, where are we going to go to school, what are we going to major in? These kind of questions are very important to us, and, they, and they, they often have lifelong consequences. And so this is an important time of life. And so you take that fact and you put it up to the fact that people are in this generation are abandoning, abandoning their faith and they're leaving the church. You put those two together, and that's not a great combination. We want people making choices with God in mind, with their faith in mind. We don't people want people walking away from their faith at such a crucial time in their life. And so that makes Genesis Young Adults extremely important. That makes this ministry highly important. And so we're excited to get things rolling. Um, and I want to make two promises to you tonight. Uh, the, the first promise I want to make to you as Genesis pastor is, is, first and foremost, I will always give my all. I, am, I try to do everything that I do to 100%, and this is not going to be any different than that. And so I'm all in to this, I am not going anywhere, and I know that God has got me here for a reason. And so I, I would encourage you to hang around, stick around. I know that Genesis is one of those places where you're here today, gone tomorrow. I actually always make the joke that I call it the people that attend Genesis cotton-eyed Joes. Where did you come from? Where did you go? That's kind of how it is, okay? And so, so that I know the kind of ministry this is. And so while you're here, we want to take advantage of that. And I want you to know that while you're here, you're getting all of me, Okay. You're getting all I've got. And so the second promise with that is that at Genesis, we are always going to have open doors and open hearts. And you, if you, there's no way you miss that, okay? And so that's, that, that is our new mantra, okay? That is what we, are, what we are going to hold fast to. That's what we believe God has called us to do. And, and what I mean by open doors, uh, open doors, basically what I mean by that is we want you, when you walk through the doors of Genesis, to feel welcome. We want you to feel invited. We want you to feel like you're comfortable enough to bring your friends. Uh, and we also don't, you, don't want you walking through the doors feeling judged, condemned, or eyed by people who, who, 
who probably have nothing better to do, okay? So we want you to feel welcome here. We want you to feel like the doors are always open. Um, and then right along with that is the open hearts, half of that. And, and so we want you to be able to walk through the doors and know that you're gonna get an experience with God on a Tuesday night. And so that's what we wanna set up for you guys. And we know that you know, when you walk through the doors, you need to know that you've been prayed for, that we are ready for you, um, and that we expect God to do big things in your life through Genesis. And so I believe this is the beginning of a, of a beautiful thing, and I am ready to get this thing started, to get it rolling. If you would have asked me months ago what my main informal goal uh, as Genesis pastor would be, I would have said, I want to come out swinging. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And so uh, with that said, I want to introduce our series for the month of August uh, entitled Coming Out Swinging. And I believe that's exactly what it's time for our generation to do, right? We've reached adulthood. We've reached um, a time in our life where we no longer attend youth group. Uh, and we no longer can piggyback off our parents' faith. We can no longer piggyback off our grandparents' faith or our youth pastor's faith. It's now time for us to own our faith, own what Jesus has done for us. And so we've reached adulthood. We've reached this time in our life where it's time to come out swinging as a generation. And so the time is now for us to do that. And the time is now for us to, to forget fear. The time is now for us to, to trust God. The time is now for us to be praying bold prayers. And the time is now for us to start fighting for what God's called us to do. And so that's basically the heartbeat of the series. And so let me take a moment let me pray, and then we will, we will jump in. So pray with me. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity that it is to gather together with a body of believers, worshiping you, learning from your word. God, we invite you in here tonight. God, we don't want to do this without you. God, we want no result less than you being high and lifted up. And so God, I pray over this message, I pray over this word, God, that it would not fall on deaf ears, they would not fall on rocky or thorny soil, but God would instead fall on soft hearts, open hearts, God, that are willing to receive what you have for them. So God, I pray tonight that your voice would be louder than my own. God, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in Genesis as it is in heaven, that the word of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. God, the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word remains forever. We love you in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, say amen. All right. So, over the course of this month, we are going to be traveling through the book of Joshua. We're traveling through the book of Joshua, and we're going to be paralleling it with the story of Jesus. And tonight, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, uh, and we're going to be talking about something that we all have in common, fear. Something we all have in common, fear. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1, I would invite you to do that. Um, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles um, that's a, it's always great to have a Bible with you, whether it's your phone or, or a physical Bible. It's always worth it to bring it, to be able to follow along. And so I would encourage you to do that. Um, and while you're turning to Joshua chapter 1, uh, I'm going to tell you a story about what fear can do, all right? So in 1998, so who wasn't born in 1998? <laughs> that's interesting. So that's what I mean. Well, it wasn't alive in 1998. All right, so, <laughs> so uh, in 1998, that's about 20 years ago, about 20 years ago, right? Uh, there was a, at a high school in Tennessee, 
Okay, at a high school in Tennessee, a, uh, a teacher was in her classroom. She began to smell a uh, gasoline-like smell in her classroom, and it kind of concerned her, and she was kind of like, this is kind of weird. I don't know why I'd be smelling gasoline inside of a building. It's a, it's a school. Why would I be smelling gasoline? That doesn't make any sense. Well, eventually she started feeling symptoms of nausea, uh, symptoms of dizziness, and then that was followed by shortness of breath, uh, which was followed by uh, other symptoms of the sort. Uh, she got a headache, and so she was feeling all of these different symptoms, and she was, she was uh, basically um, sure that it was because of what she was smelling, because of something in the air, okay? And so because of what was believed to be uh, poisonous or toxic air at the school, because of what this teacher was experiencing, they actually uh, immediately evacuated the school and started uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And in the meantime, 80 students and 19 staff members were actually sent to the hospital to get treated. And they actually, uh, 38 of them were hospitalized overnight, okay? And they had no idea what was going on and why these symptoms, why these, these kids were sick and why these people were sick, right? And so the school closed for five days, all right? So they spent five days, okay, let's figure out what's going on. It's probably not that big of a deal. We'll figure it out. So five days later, the school reopened, and then all of a sudden... People started feeling nauseous, dizzy, started getting headaches. And so they, they, at that point, uh, 71 more people went to the hospital complaining of the same symptoms. And so at this point, they're like, okay, we're done playing games. All right, we got to get somebody in here to figure this out. So they closed the school indefinitely. They brought in all of these all of these government agencies into the school to, to do an, like an exhaustive investigation. They brought in the big guns to figure out what was going on. Um, and they want to know, was it toxic? Was it poisonous? Was it, uh, in, what was in the air that was causing this sickness? And so after a lengthy investigation, the agencies gathered together, they compared notes, and they came to the same conclusion. There was no evidence of a harmful substance in the air. Nothing. Zero evidence of anything. It was officially recorded as a case of mass hysteria. And so the fear of breathing this toxic air, starting with this teacher, spread to over 150 people who ended up in the hospital because they were imagining their symptoms. It was a chain reaction of fear. And so as we begin tonight, as we, as we, as we jump in tonight, I want to ask you a question. What do you fear the most? What do you fear the most? What has fear held you back from? What fears are you facing right now? And so as we read Joshua tonight, uh, Joshua 1 tonight, it's important to know that, uh, just a little backstory, that at this point in the story of God, okay, you guys know who Moses is. We all know who Moses is. At this point in the story of God, Moses has just passed away. Moses has died. And so at this point, God is, uh, is giving over command to Joshua. He's commissioning him, basically just giving him authority to then become the next leader of the Israelites, okay? And so that's not as easy, though, as it sounds for Joshua, because Joshua is a lot like us. He has fears. He has fears. And so we know he's scared because of the amount of times that God actually tells him a, a certain phrase. He says, do not fear, be strong and courageous. And he tells him this six different times throughout the entire book of, of Joshua, and three times in our reading tonight. And so we're going to read the entire chapter tonight. Don't worry, it's only 18 verses. And uh, we're going to start with the first nine, okay? So this is Joshua 1, 1 through 9. This is what it says. 
After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, remember, we said he died. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. There's our phrase. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we see that just as we said, Moses has, Moses has died. Moses has passed away and Joshua is being commissioned by the Lord. And we see that Joshua is told to be strong and courageous three times by God. And God would, like we said, proceed later to tell him uh, many more times. And, and God tells him, he says, Joshua, he says, listen, the promises that I gave to Moses are now yours. The presence that was with Moses is now with you. And so just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And so now it is your time to lead my people into the land that I have promised them. And so the only, the only plausible reason that Joshua would have been told not to be afraid so many times is because he was likely pretty scared. There's no other reason why God would have said it so many times if he wasn't feeling fear. And I can imagine that he told him this so many times, not just because he was afraid, but because, probably because he looked afraid too. It was probably written all over his face. He was probably pale. He was probably had, had knots in his stomach and his knees were weak and his arms were heavy and vomit on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. And Joshua was probably in the same state of mind that we would be in, right? Like he was probably thinking like, God, like, are you, are you sure that, are you sure that this is, me that you're talking about? Are you sure that you've got the right guy? Because I'm looking around and I don't see anybody else named Joshua. And I don't see anybody else standing around me. And so I'm kind of freaked out that you might be talking to me, that I might be the guy that you want. And God made it clear to him that there was no other leader, that he was the man for the job. And so God is comforting him and encouraging him by saying, listen to this, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Could you imagine the emotions that Joshua was likely feeling at that point? Like, am I able to do this? Is God positive that he has the right guy? What if I fail at doing what God has commanded me to do? What if something goes wrong? Do I have 
what it takes. Do I have what it takes? Isn't that at the heart of every fear that we feel? Of course, we have our tangible fears like spiders and snakes and the boogeyman and roller coasters and public speaking. But I'm talking about the fears that we feel on a daily, minute-by-minute basis. And maybe you're open about these. Maybe you're like, yeah, that's me. And maybe you're not. And so if you're not, I want to take a moment. I'm going to read your diary because I feel like we all feel these. So I'm going to list you out some fears, and I want to see if you find yourself anywhere in these. The fear of not being accepted by the people around you. Fear of being given a job and then failing at it. Fear of being abandoned by those you trust and love the most. The fear of losing the thing that you cherish above everything else. The fear of forgetting who you are for the sake of fitting in. The fear of not being good enough. The fear of disappointing your parents. The fear of watching everything you've known and believed in slip away. The fear of watching an opportunity come and pass and you did nothing to capture it. The fear of never living up to your own expectations. The fear of losing all control over your life. The fear of finding the person that you love and they break your heart. The fear of having to let go of what is most comfortable and familiar. Am I speaking to anybody tonight? Those are the fears that cripple us. And at the root of all those fears is the question of whether or not we have what it takes. Do I have what it takes to keep that person close? Do I have what it takes to succeed despite the hand that I've been dealt? Do I have what it takes to to complete the task that I've been given? Do I have what it takes to make it in this world? Do I have what it takes? These are the fears that cripple us and cripple the people around us. And just as we learned from that story of that high school in Tennessee, fear can be a chain reaction. And this is a reason why God didn't want Joshua to be afraid, because he knew if he was, if he knew his leader was afraid, then that fear would spread to the entire nation. And as humans, you know, we have a tendency to mimic the actions of the people around us. Think about the old things that your grandma used to say, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Be careful about who you hang out with. Choose your friends wisely, right? If you want to think about it this way, when you see somebody yawn, what does that make you want to do? Makes you want to yawn. Monkey see, monkey do. And fear is the same way. When I was, uh, when I was five years old, I uh, went to the Coastal Carolina Fair. And I went with a friend of mine who was also five. Uh, we had parents with us, don't worry. We just hopped in our car and went. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So two, uh, two five-year-olds um, and I had the bright idea of getting on the Ferris wheel. And I said, hey, let's get on the Ferris wheel. And so we got on, and you know how it goes. You know, you work your way up to the top. And I got to the top, and whatever you sit in, in the Ferris wheel, didn't look up the name of that, uh, started rocking, you know, you know, like it does, like a Ferris wheel. And, and I got so scared and five years old, uh, started crying. I started crying because how scared I was to be in the Ferris wheel. And I was super upset. I wanted to get down. I was just, I was in a bad place, okay? Well, my friend next to me, 
saw that I started crying. And so then he started crying. And so there's got two five-year-olds at the top of the Ferris wheel, crying, upset, scared. We eventually got down. And I haven't ridden a Ferris wheel since. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, um, that would be funny. But years later, years later, I'm still friends with this guy. Years later, I said, hey, do you remember that time, you know, we rode the Ferris wheel and I cried <laughs> and you cried and we were just upset together and we were scared together. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But um, I wasn't scared. And I was like, really? And he, and he was like, yeah. He goes, I only started crying because you were crying. I was only afraid because you were afraid. I was only upset because you got upset. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous so that the nation would in turn also be strong and courageous. And he is saying the same thing to you tonight. He doesn't want the fear in you to spread to those around you because here's the truth for you tonight. The enemy feeds off of fear. The enemy feeds off of fear. And when the Israelites would soon move into the promised land, there were going to be enemies for them to defeat. There were going to be battles for them to win. There's going to be wars for them to win. And you can't win wars when your primary emotion in life is fear. You can't win the wars of your life when your primary driving force is fear. Because fear does not take us into what God has called us. It takes us away. You can't win the wars of your life when your primary emotion is fear. And notice that this is a conversation that God has with Joshua before he leads them into the promised land. It's a conversation that they have before they go into the promised land. God said, I want you to be strong and courageous now because it matters most now. I don't need you to be afraid right now. I need you to be strong and courageous now because once you get in the middle of this, once you get in the thick of this, it'll be too late. Why? It's because courage is a decision that's made before the battle begins. Courage is a decision that's made before the battle begins. And so for us in here tonight, I would challenge you to make the choice now to choose courage. Choose to be courageous. That before the Lord gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with a friend of yours that you've been praying for, choose courage now. Before that storm comes, before that trial and tribulation comes, choose courage. Before the Lord puts you into an opportunity, a divine orchestrated moment, choose courage. Because if you let your fear drive you, when you get in that moment, when you get in that moment that we all long for, that we all desire, when you get in that moment and you let your fear drive you, you'll be heading in the opposite direction. You will not enter into what God has called you to do if you live your life scared. You've got to choose courage now. We've seen what God has to say to Joshua. So let's read and see what Joshua has to say in response. So this is Joshua 1, 10 through 15. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. 
These next few verses are going to be a little confusing, so hold with me, all right? We'll talk about it. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over arms before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. So we see Joshua. We see Joshua hear from the Lord, right? God has just told him, do not fear. Be, be, be strong and courageous because it matters most now. I need you to be strong now. We, he says, I'm going to be with you, right? So he just hears from God. And then we see him turn f- from God and, and to these, these officers of the people. And basically, these officers were were basically just leaders that were under Joshua that could communicate to the people at large, okay? So he would relay a message to them, and they would communicate it to the people they were in charge of, right? And so so he turns to these officers, and and what does he say? He says, says, prepare your provisions, because in three days, we're going to go in and take possession of the land the Lord has given us. In other words, he says, get ready, because in three days... It's going down. So all of a sudden here, we see some confidence in Joshua. All of a sudden, we see a little bravery in Joshua. We see Joshua get a little, get a little bolder. And as the story proceeds, Joshua addresses the, these three tribes of Israel, okay? Now, like I said, that was part, it was a little confusing. And so I'm going to give you some backstory on that, okay? Remember what we said at the beginning. At this point, Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. And so at the, at, when Moses was still the leader, there was a, a deal made, okay? There was a, an agreement made between Moses and these three tribes. And the agreement was that they would help in the conquering of the promised land, but their families and their livestock would not enter into the land until it was conquered and defeated and ready to go. And so in other words, they would send their men into fights, but these men would leave their wives and their jobs and their kids in the desert in the meantime. And then once they got done, once they conquered the land, then they could all come in with them, okay? And so it's possible that in the midst of the Moses to Joshua transition that these three tribes thought they were going to get off easy. They thought, oh, man, Joshua's been kind of busy. I saw him earlier, and he looked really scared. Uh, He looked really nervous, and God was talking to him, and he wasn't kept telling him to be strong and courageous, so Joshua must have been afraid, right? And so he's got got, uh, all this stuff going on, and so... We got, a, we got a pretty good chance here that he's going to forget. We got a pretty good chance that he's not going to remember this agreement. He's not going to remember that we agreed to do this. And so uh, once this happens, um, in these verses, we see that, that Joshua actually doesn't forget. He instead says, oh, not so, not so fast. Uh, I do remember that agreement, and so I'm going to hold you to it. And so right here uh, in these verses, we, we see uh, Joshua all of a sudden, like I said, become a little bold, become a little courageous, become a, little, become a little, uh, little less afraid, it seems. And so at this point, let me ask you something. Do you think Joshua was just magically not afraid anymore? No. That it's maybe in some supernatural way that his fear just evaporated and it was replaced with the spirit of Rambo or Jack Bauer. No, I don't think so. I think that Joshua was still fearful. 
And I think Joshua was still a little frightened. But instead of letting that fear consume him, he faces his fear, he assumes his command, and then he makes two bold statements right out of the gate. He comes out swinging. Now let's see how the people respond. This is Joshua 1, 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, the people. They answered Joshua. All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So what are the people saying? Joshua, we trust you. We're going to listen to you like we listened to Moses. And can't you almost just feel this wave of courage, this wave of assurance, this wave of confidence in their new leader, in Joshua? It's like the decision that Joshua made to be strong and courageous despite his fear had spread to the people. And so just as fear can be a chain reaction, so can courage. Just as fear can, can cause a chain reaction, so can courage. And by the time we get to verse 16, we see that this bravery, this courage has made its way to the people that Joshua was leading. And so let me tell you something tonight. It only takes one person to be brave. It only takes one person to be bold. It only takes one person to be courageous. And your generation, your school, your workplace, and your family is dying for you to be that one person. And so I would encourage you tonight to make the decision to be courageous in your walk with God, to look the beast of fear in the eye and face it. Be determined to be brave in the name of Jesus. Make the choice to be strong in your faith. Set your heart on it. Like, God, I know I might, have, I might be scared, and I know I might have my doubts, and I know I might be a little uncertain and a little nervous about what you're asking me to do, but nonetheless, I have set my heart that on the fact that despite my fear, I'm going to lead into what you've called me to do. Because hearts full of fear don't win wars. She goes, courage is a decision that's made before the battle begins. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus came along a long time after Joshua. And he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, came to earth destined to die, to be the final sacrifice for our sin, to give us eternal life. It's the greatest story ever told, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It all, it all came to a head the night Jesus was arrested. And the night Jesus was arrested, but right before that happened, he knew what was coming, and he knew what awaited him. And in the gospel accounts, you, you see him praying in what was known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And you get such a good look at the human side of Jesus, because in that moment, what you see in Jesus is fear. He knew what laid ahead for him. He knew that a slow and painful death was awaiting him. He knew that he was going to have to take the sin of all mankind upon him. He knew that he awaited the wrath of a perfect God. And the night before this, as all to take place, Jesus is just flat out 
scared. He's on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the middle of the night. He's praying. His forehead is actually, the blood vessels in his forehead have busted from stress. And it looks like he's sweating blood out of his face. Jesus was afraid. And so he started praying to his father and he said, he said, God, if there is any other way for you to take care of this, if there is any other way that you can get me out, if you can spare me, if you could just get me out of this situation. He said, God, I know I might be scared. I know I might have my doubts. I know I might be a little uncertain. But nonetheless, despite my fear, I have set my heart on the fact that I want your will to be done and not mine. Because I know this is what you've called me to do. Jesus made a decision to be strong and courageous before the battle began. Jesus made a decision to be strong and courageous before the battle began. And just as Joshua made the choice to be brave and lead the Israelites into the promised land, Jesus made the choice to be brave and endure the cross. And just as God told Joshua, there is no other leader, he told Jesus, there is no other way. And Jesus left the Garden of Gethsemane and he approached his disciples. And what does he say? In the spirit of Joshua, get ready. Get ready. The hour has come and my betrayer is at hand. Judas would then turn Jesus in. He would go to the cross where he would die a sinner's death for you and for me, a death that we should have died. Good news. Three days later, he resurrected again to defeat death, hell, and the grave forever, to set us free from all unrighteousness, to set us free from sin, to gift us with eternal life so that there is now no name like Jesus. There's no other way unto salvation. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He made a choice to do what God had called him to do despite his fear. And so, yes, we're going to face fears in our life, but praise God, we got Jesus walking through it with us. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Tonight, I don't know what it might be for you, what you might be afraid of, but I know that you're fearing something. Maybe you're not ready to think about it yet. Maybe it's crippled you for so long you forgot it's there. But I want to tell you something tonight. Jesus died to set you free from that fear. And he wants you to have it a moment right now where you choose courage, where you choose Jesus before the battle begins, before you walk out of these doors, before you start facing that fear again. Choose to be courageous now. Courage is a choice made before the battle begins. We can't win wars when our main emotion is fear. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we again thank you for gathering us here together tonight from speaking from your word. God, I I pray that you would continue to have your way in this place. God, I know that 
We face fears. God, you know that we face fears. But God, you don't want us to live there. Just as Joshua did, just as Jesus did, God, I pray that we would start to look the beast of fear in the eye and move past it, face it head on, to come out swinging. God, it's been too long that our generation has been crippled by fear. So God, I, God, I pray in your name that we would overcome that fear tonight. God, that we would make the choice now to be courageous before the battle begins. God, I thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. God, I thank you that your blood was spilled and that there is salvation in no other name, that you are the only way unto salvation. And so God, I pray over the hearts of everyone in here tonight. God, that they may come to know you for the first time or they may come to know you deeper. God, I pray that your presence would be thick in this place. God, that you would be high and lifted up. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, you don't want us to be afraid. You don't want us to be frightened. But God, you want us to be strong and courageous. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.